We want to welcome everyone watching by live stream today. Thank you for joining us. And we're believing that God's going to do something that you're going to enjoy, that you're going to like, and you'll never forget it. Praise God. Amen. He's good at that. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to remind you about the February the 27th evening service. Those of you that were here last Sunday night, we talked about um, the uh, building program and so forth, where we are financially, and, and I announced to you that on the 27th, the evening of the 27th, in the 6 o'clock service, we will have what I'm calling a point of contact service. And this is where you have the opportunity, once again, to sow into the building fund. And the point of contact, I learned this from Moore Roberts over 45 years ago. The point of contact is that moment where you're ready to release your faith. It's like the little woman who said, I will touch his clothes and I shall be made whole. So when you bring your point of contact offering for the building fund, and I, I've asked you to be praying about what you will do, and I'm not asking you to do something I'm not willing to do, so I've been praying about what my point of contact uh, offering will be. And I am believing, and I'm going to show you from the Word, that uh, this can produce a major breakthrough in your own life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, like, I like to base everything I do on the Word of God. Amen. Amen. So don't forget, February the 27th. Look at your neighbor and say, don't forget, February the 27th. Bring your point of contact offering. All right, praise God. Amen. Let's open our Bibles once again to Psalm 145. <clears throat> Psalm 145. We have been talking about the open hand of God. Bringing about unusual, supernatural, extraordinary uh, provision to those who will be watching for it, expecting it. Amen. How many of you are expecting it? Amen. Now that's important. If you don't expect it, then it's not likely you will experience it. Amen. Expectation is, is much like faith. Real Bible faith expects God to do something. People that tell me they're living by faith, but then they say, but you know, you never know what God will do. I'm not sure that's really living by faith. Because real Bible faith expects God to do something. Amen. You know, somebody says, well, I know he's able. Well, that's wonderful. But you need to take it a step further. Get to the place where you say, and I know he will. Yes. I know he's able, and I know he will. Amen. He can, and he will. Yes. There was a man that came to Jesus one time and said, I know you can. I'm just not sure if you will. And Jesus said to him, I will. Straighten that out real quick with two words. I will. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he will back then, he will today. Can you say amen? All right, Psalm 145. <clears throat> Let's look at verse 8. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Drop down to verse 14. The Lord upholdeth all that fall and raiseth up all that be bowed down. 
The eyes of all wait upon thee. Now this is where the Amplified says, watching, looking, expecting. Watching, looking, and expecting. That's important. That's how you position yourself to experience what God says he wants to do. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. So once again, when you see the phrase, the open hand of God, or God opens his hand, most of the time it is significant or represents uh, provision. And God not only provides, but he does so supernaturally, extraordinarily, and unusually. Can you say amen? Uncommon. He's not the God of just enough. He's the God of more than enough. I like to say he's not El Chipo, he's El Shaddai. Okay, amen. Now, I want to read from the Passion Translation, beginning in verse 13. You are faithful to fulfill every promise you've made. That's good news. That's encouraging. If you can find a promise in God's Word, and the Bible's full of them, then know this. That God is faithful to fulfill every promise that he has made. Well, right here it says he opens his hand and fulfills the desire of every living thing. That's his promise to you. Amen. Amen. And what do we know about his promises? He's faithful to fulfill every one of them. All he's asking from us is dare to believe. Amen. Amen. How many believers in the house today? All right. Then verse 16 says, when you open your hand, and once again, this is from the Passion Translation. When you open your hand, it's full of blessings, satisfying the longing of every living thing. So when God opens his hand, it's full of blessings. Expect when God opens his hand, blessings to come to you. Amen. Now, what you need to learn to do is expect it, and then as a, uh, you could say, a point of contact to show that you truly expect it, then lift your hands and say, and I receive it, praise God. Amen, I receive it. I I know, um, I learned this a long, long time ago. When uh, Brother Copeland has prophesied over me, Brother Hagen, Brother Roberts, uh, a number of people that I, I trust uh, in their ability to hear the, the word of the Lord, the, the, the voice of God. And they'd say, Brother Jerry, the Lord has given me a word for you. And when they pronounced it or delivered it, sometimes it was beyond what my mind could comprehend. I remember one time in Philadelphia, 1981, <clears throat> uh, Brother Copeland was doing a three-day victory campaign there. And uh, I wasn't scheduled to speak with him in that meeting. We had just come out of uh, a meeting in Charlotte. And uh, I'd had that visitation of the Lord in that meeting in Charlotte and uh, where God taught me about uh, sowing in famine. And I knew Brother Copeland was going to be in Philadelphia. And Carol and I decided we just wanted to go and be in the meeting. So I called him. I said, uh, 
uh, we're going we're gonna to fly up to Philadelphia and be in the meeting with you and Gloria. He said, well, there's no need both of us flying our airplanes. Why don't you just fly with us? So we flew up there with them. And uh, I was just going to be in attendance. We're just sitting on the front row receiving. And it was a great meeting. And then um, uh, he preached that opening night on Thursday night. And then uh, he said, now, uh, in the morning, I want you to preach. I said, I didn't come to preach. I just, I just came to receive. He said, no, you're not sitting in this meeting and not preach. You know? And I said, well, if you want me to, you know, I, I learned from all Roberts, if you insist, you know. I told Brother Roberts one time I'd like to buy him a new suit. He said, if you insist, you know. And uh, so I preached the next morning. And after I got through, I was going to walk off the platform. And uh, then we were all going to go to lunch. And, and then he was come back for an afternoon service. But before I could get off the platform, he said, wait a minute, Jerry, the word of the Lord's come to me. And he prophesied over me. And it was a lengthy prophecy. In fact, I, I had uh, my secretary at that time transcribe it. And then the art department put it in some nice lettering and framed it. And I put it on the wall in my office. So every time when I'd be home and I'd go in my office, the first thing I'd do is read that. And it, it was quite a prophecy. And uh, some of the things he said, uh, at the moment he said them, my mind couldn't grasp it. It was bigger than my mind. I mean, if you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Amen. And so I would read it and then I'd lay my hands on it and I'd say, by faith, I receive this. And I kept doing that and kept doing that. Until all of a sudden it didn't look so impossible anymore. Amen. That's how you mix faith with the word preached. If, you, if you're wrestling with it in your mind, just keep saying, I receive that. By faith, I receive that. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 that the word did not profit them or benefit them because they didn't mix faith with it when they heard it. So the way you mix faith with it, when you hear it, even if it's beyond your comprehension at the moment, just say, by faith, I receive that. And keep saying it. And keep saying it. And one day, your mind will catch up with your spirit. Amen. You'll say, hey, that's possible. Yeah, this is possible. Now, some of the things he prophesied, I mean, they looked impossible when he said it. But over a period of time, it no longer looked impossible. I was expecting it. And I'm pleased to announce to you that everything he said has come to pass. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And at the time he said it, it did not look possible. It was beyond my comprehension at that time. But I kept saying, I receive it. So lift your hands right now and say this with me. Father, in the name of Jesus. If you want to open your hand and pour out blessings on my life beyond my comprehension, supernaturally, uncommonly, extraordinarily, by faith, I receive it. And now give the Lord your best shout. Amen. Now, once again, when you open your hand, it's full of blessings. 
satisfying the longing of every living thing. Now, verse 19, let's drop down to it. King James says, he will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. And verse 20 says, the Lord preserveth all them that love him. Now, the common English Bible says it this way. God shows favor to those who honor him. God shows favor to those who honor him. And then the message translation adds, you lavish your favor on all. Everything God does is right. And the trademark on all his works is love. Now notice the message says, you lavish your favor on all. How many of you know by now, if you've been coming to this church for a while, or you've been hearing me preach for a while, favor is my favorite subject. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, you remember that commercial? I don't know what they were advertising, but this guy, he's, he's uh, an extremely wealthy man, and he has this little miniature giraffe. And the little giraffe walks up to him and he says, uh, uh, I, think, I think the word is opulence. Opulence, I has it. <laughs> I, I, I got a hold of that and I said, favor, I has it. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, favor, favor. I has it. <laughs> you say, That's not good English, brother. You're just as country as I am. Just say what I said. Amen. <laughs> That might not go over well in England, but we're not in England. We're in Crowley. Amen. So say it again. Favor. Favor. I has it. (laughs) Amen. So notice, I'm going to read it again because favor is my favorite subject. And every time I see it in the Bible, my antenna goes up. The common English Bible, God shows favor to those who honor him. The message translation, you lavish your favor on all. Now, the word lavish means characterized by extravagance and profusion. Now, from that, I heard in my spirit, get ready. Not only is God going to open his hand and provide for us extraordinary, uncommon, and supernatural provision. But he is also going to provide for us extravagant favor. Hallelujah. Extravagant favor. Now, once again, the word lavish means extravagance or profusion. So I wrote in my notes, get ready to experience extravagant favor. Now, the word extravagant means unrestrained. And it also means beyond what you have experienced before. Now, if God is about to show me extravagant favor, because I experience favor in some way every day of my life. Ask anybody who knows me well. How many of you remember the old TV series, The Real McCoys? Remember Grandpa McCoy? He used to say all the time, no brag, just fact. I walk in the favor of God. Good to see you guys. Amen. 
I walk in the favor of God. I experience it in some way every day of my life because I expect it. And it's not because I'm so good. It's because he's so good. But he taught me how to walk in his favor way back in 1969. It's the first thing I learned on my own. (laughs) I didn't learn this from Kenneth Copeland. I didn't learn it from Kenneth Hagin. And I didn't learn it from T.L. Osmond, nor did I learn it from Oral Roberts, who were my four mentors. It's something God taught me. I'd never even heard of the phrase prior to that, the favor of God. If I had, I probably would have said, who has favor with God? How can anybody have favor with God? That's probably the way I would have reacted. But one morning... He said to me, I'm going to teach you how to walk in my favor. And there will come a day when your name will be known around the world for the favor of God that's on your life and ministry. And then I'll hold you responsible for teaching others how to walk in it as you do. I wrote that in my my journal. 1969. Now, I didn't run in there and tell Carolyn, guess what? (laughs) Nor did I go to church the next Sunday and say, guess what? My name will be known all over the world. You don't tell that to people when you're three months old in the Lord. (laughs) They said, yeah, right. And I got some, I got some, uh, um, um, ocean property in Phoenix, Arizona. I'd like to sell you, you know, (laughs) no, I just, I just kept it in my journal. Just kept it to myself. And then God began to teach me about the favor of God. And then I realized and, and, he, and he pointed it out to me. You know, I learned this, and I probably learned it, first of all, from Kenneth Copeland teaching on how to meditate God's Word. I'd, I'd, I'd never heard that phrase before. If I'd ever heard the word meditation before that, I would have associated it with some other religion, you know. But he said, meditate the word. And then he showed me in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Thou shalt meditate on God's word day and night. And it's, it's, it's a Bible word. Those other religions got it from God. Okay. Amen. So he taught me how to meditate the word. One of the things he said was, don't, don't try to read a whole chapter or a whole book at one time. Just focus on one verse. And he, and he gave the example, for instance, Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And he said, now, don't, don't try to swallow that whole thing at one time. Just focus on sections of it. Start with my God. Just meditate on that. My God. Wow, my God. Make it personal. Man, I just, I just spent the day thinking about my God, my God, wow, my God, not Kenneth Copeland's God, my God, not Oral Roberts' God, which was the same God, but my God, this is my God, my God shall, what? He shall, he shall do what? Supply all my need, wow, you spend the day on that. Supply all my need. All my need. Oh boy, at the time I started meditating that, he's got, he's got his hands full. And I had a lot of needs. 
was in debt personally, and I was still in debt with the business I owned. And I'm endeavoring to get out of debt. And so my God shall supply, not might. And it didn't even say he can supply. It said he shall. That takes it beyond his ability. Now we're talking about his love. Amen. God shall supply all my need. Glory to God. I'm getting happy already. Just sitting there in this little bedroom on Trainee Lane, Shreveport, Louisiana, 1969. I'm getting, I'm getting happy. I'm getting excited. And yet nothing had changed out here. Boy, everything had changed on the inside. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You got to see it happening on the inside before you see it happening on the outside. And so I I learned to meditate that, uh, meditate the word. I remember uh, reading stories about the ministry of Jesus and particularly the story about uh, the man at the pool of Bethesda. And the first time we went to Israel. And I, I had meditated on that story so many times. I could, I could almost see that man's face. The Bible said he'd been crippled all of his life. People took him down there, perhaps on some kind of stretcher. And they set him at the pool of Bethesda. And the legend was, the angel would come and trouble the water. And whichever person got in first, when the angel troubled the water, was healed of all their diseases. And Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda and went right up to that man. Now, the Bible doesn't mention that he went to anybody else there that day, but he went to that man. And the Bible says that this man had been in that condition 38 years. And Jesus walked up to him and said, will thou be made whole? Now, I'm I'm meditating this. And I can see Jesus walking up to this man. I can almost see the man's face. I can see the crowd. I can see it. I can can picture it on the inside. I had spent so much time meditating that. When we got to Israel and they took us to where the pool of Bethesda was, it was exactly the way I'd seen it on the inside. And I'd never been there before. But I recognize it right. That's the pool of Bethesda. Amen. So you meditate the word. Don't get in such a hurry. It it doesn't matter how many scriptures you read in a day. It's what you got out of them that day. (laughs) Amen. There's a lot of people, they've read the Bible. I heard one man say, I've read the Bible 50 times from Genesis to Revelation. But when you heard him talk, he didn't get anything out of it. Just just religious tradition. Amen. 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 So spend time. Just, Just close your eyes sometime and focus on Psalm 145. Thou openest thine hand. And it's full of blessings. Wow. Just sit back and picture that. Come on. The Bible says, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace. Picture yourself walking up to the throne of grace. 
You know, the first time I endeavored to meditate, Hebrews 4.16, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace. The first time I endeavored to meditate that, I saw myself in this long, long line. And I'm at the end. And I kept looking around this line and not moving. Dear God, by the time I get up there, you won't have anything left. And then I saw Oral up there, Billy Graham. I said, dear God, I just won't rent. They probably want millions. <laughs> but the more I meditated on that, I noticed there was nobody in line. I had God's total attention. I saw Jesus sitting at the right hand. And he said, you know, bring your petitions to him. And so I made my petition. And the Bible says, Jesus ever liveth to make intercession for us. I saw Jesus lean over to the father and say, give it to him. Then I saw the Holy Spirit go into action and make it happen. Hallelujah. That's good. Amen. Now, you don't, you don't get that kind of stuff just reading chapters and, and a whole book at the same time. Take the time to meditate it. And, and you'll notice when you go to the throne of grace, there's not another soul there. God's focusing on you. Amen. You don't have to stand in line and they're not going to run out before you get there. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a shout. Praise God. All right. Now get ready to experience extravagant favor. Once again, extravagant means unrestrained and beyond what you've experienced before. So I was about to say earlier, if God is about to show me favor beyond anything I've ever experienced before, as much favor as I've already experienced, dear Lord, what does he have in mind? Because I'm known around the world for the favor of God. You've heard me say it before. I get introduced in many places I go as Mr. Favor, Dr. Favor. Let's welcome Brother Favor. Hallelujah. Favor, I has it. (laughs) Tell somebody again, I has it. Now, another translation says, He satisfies everyone with favor, goodwill, and loving kindness. So, I want you to look at somebody and tell them, Get ready to experience extravagant favor. And we're talking about in the midst of chaos and disorder. What better time to experience it? When they're all screaming worst of times, we're going to be having our best of times. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, the Benson commentary tells us that he will give us remarkable instances of his favor. Remarkable instances of his favor. And the word remarkable, I I love word studies. I endeavor to break it all down. Remarkable, unusual, 
uncommon, and noteworthy. Another definition is rare. I wrote in my notes, God's about to do things for me and for those who will not be shaken by the chaos and the disorder. Some rare manifestations of his favor. I also put in here what you and I are about to experience. Most people won't. Amen. Amen. Now they're going to mistake it for luck, but it's not luck. It's the favor of God. Hallelujah. Am I helping you this morning yet? All right. Now, most of you have heard me say, and I want to repeat this, that my favorite subject in the Bible is favor. It's not only my favorite subject, but I especially enjoy walking in it. Experiencing it. Amen. My life is a continual testimony of the favor of God. Recently, I was, I was studying, and um, there's, a, there's a phrase that jumped out at me that I want you to look at in Psalm 5. Psalm 5. Let's begin in verse 11. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy. Has anybody in here got their trust in God? Well, maybe we ought to do what he just told us to do. Shout for joy. Amen. Because thou defendest them. Let them also love, or that love thy name, be joyful in thee. Now, verse 12 says, and we've, we've talked about this in times past, teaching on the favor of God. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor wilt thou him, compass him as with a shield. Now, let me read this to you from the Passion Translation. But let them all be glad, those who turn aside to hide themselves in you. May they keep shouting for joy forever. Now listen to this. Overshadow them in your presence as they sing and rejoice. Overshadow them in your presence as they sing and rejoice. Then every lover of your name will burst forth with endless joy. Lord, how wonderfully you bless the righteous. Now look at this. Your favor wraps around each one and covers them with, uh, covers them under your canopy of kindness and joy. Did you know you have a canopy? (laughs) A canopy. Now, let me define canopy. Uh, One definition is a shelter. A shelter providing protection. Now, uh, uh, one other commentary I read uh, referred to it as an umbrella of protection. That's what the old covenant was to the children of Israel. When they were obedient to the covenant, 
It was an umbrella of protection for them. Now, I, brought an, I just happened to bring an umbrella today. Would you bring that first umbrella out? An umbrella of protection. Here it says, Your favor wraps around each one and covers them under your canopy or umbrella of kindness and joy. We have a canopy of favor. Now, an umbrella will not change the forecast. Amen? It does not change the forecast. It won't stop the rain. You pull out an umbrella and the rain says, oh, we got to stop now. It does not stop the rain. It does not stop the wind. How many of you ever had your umbrella turned completely upside down from the wind? And many times it will not completely keep you dry. I've had to walk just from my house over to the ministry, which is a short walk when it's pouring down raining and I've got my umbrella. But even when I get into the office, my sleeves are wet. My shoes are wet. If the wind's blowing, it's blowing under the umbrella. I still get wet. So the umbrella of God's favor does not change the forecast of what's going on in the world. But it does provide shelter from it. Now, this is not really a good image of that umbrella or canopy of favor that God's provided. Bring me that real one. Ah, this is my canopy of favor. Hallelujah. Why? Because my God's a big God. He don't fool around with that little stuff. Amen. My God's a big God. Now, this still does not change the forecast. It don't stop the rain. It don't stop the wind. But I have more protection. And here it says, the canopy of God's favor. Hallelujah. That's what I walk in every day of my life. I am under this canopy of God's favor. Canopy. I has it. <laughs> Favor. I has it. And so do you. How'd you like to get under my canopy? Yeah. Hey, look, a whole family can get under the canopy of God's favor. Spread it around. Hallelujah. Get under the canopy. Amen. A canopy of God's favor. That's what God has provided for us in times like these. Now, we're just going to leave that right there. Amen. A canopy of God's favor. I can live under it. You can live under it. That's God's best. He doesn't want you experiencing it from time to time. He wants you experiencing it every day of your life. And particularly 
when times are bad. Uh, let me read this. I got I told told them in the speaker's room back there earlier. After I got this message on January the 28th, and then, you know, since then, and I've studied it and studied it, God just keeps adding more to it. Uh, Terry, you got a lot of notes to type this coming week. <laughs> I read a definition of God's favor that I had not used before, that I had not read before. Isn't it interesting? You can, you can preach on the favor of God for 53 years and God keeps showing you something new. One definition of God's favor that I recently read says, it's God stepping into our situation to make a world worthwhile difference. It's God stepping into our circumstances in our situations and making a worthwhile difference. Amen. Now, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7, and I'm, I'm just going to tell you what it says without quoting the verse. Satan is constantly endeavoring to try our faith. The trying of our faith, the Bible says, Peter says. Jesus tells us in John 10.10, that our adversary, the devil, is constantly endeavoring to steal, kill, and destroy. Peter also tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, that Satan comes as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Amen? See, this, this canopy of favor doesn't stop that. It stops him from being successful at it. Amen? Amen. He's going to come to try to steal the word. This canopy of favor doesn't stop that. He's going to come as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. This canopy doesn't stop that. But it does prevent him from being successful at it. Why? Because favor gives us advantage. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It gives us an advantage. Amen. Now, Psalm 91, you're all familiar with it, describing a canopy. When you abide under the shadow of El Shaddai, the Almighty, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. So we can live under this canopy or shadow or shield. Do you remember the children of Israel in the book of Numbers, chapter 9, verses 15 and 16 say this. And on the day that the tabernacle was reared up, the cloud covered the tabernacle. And at evening, there was upon the tabernacle, as it were, the appearance of fire until the morning. God provided a canopy for the children of Israel, a cloud and fire. Amen? Amen? A cloud and fire. And then the next verse, verse 16 says, So it was always. I like that. So it was always. In other words, this canopy is on your life forever. Some of you need to find out about it. 
Amen. Amen. You are under the canopy of God's favor. You have advantage. Hallelujah. You, 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 you may experience the same tests and trials that everybody else does. But if you know how to stay under the canopy, then you won't experience what many of them experience. A lot of them never overcome the test and trials. You can stay under the canopy. Amen. Amen. Stay under the canopy. I remember a number of years ago, Mark James and I, uh, I took my motorcycle and we were going to ride uh, all the way to Arizona. <clears throat> and I had to go to Tulsa first to do a meeting. So we, we packed up uh, on my uh, Harley Ultra Classic and I had a trailer that I pulled behind it and had all of our gear in it. And we started out for Tulsa and got uh, just about two blocks from the hotel that we were going to stay in. And I had to preach that night and it started pouring down raining and we're just two blocks. I can, I can see the sign to the hotel in the distance. All I had to do was turn right and go two blocks and I could see the sign to the hotel on the left-hand side. But I also noticed in front of me was a student driver car. <laughs> and there was a, a, a young lady driving and the instructor on the right side. So, uh, now it's wet. So, you know, you have to be very cautious on a motorcycle. And you certainly do not use your rear brakes. You got to use the handbrakes, stop it from the front. I know all this. I've been riding motorcycles since I was 14. So I know how to ride in rain. I know how to ride in snow. I know how to ride in, I know how to ride in hell. H-A-I-L. Okay. <laughs> I've had hell come down on me before. But anyway, uh, I'm, I'm being very cautious because this student driver, I don't know how much experience she has. So she gets in the left lane, which is the lane I need to be in because there's a lot of traffic. And it's pouring down rain. And so I'm going along here, probably not more than 25 miles an hour, if that fast. All of a sudden, she decides to slam on her brakes. For no reason. She just slammed on her brakes. The rear of the car went like this. I, I'm not going to hit the rear brake. Because I know if I go hit that rear brake, I'll go into a slide. And lose control. I had to grab that handbrake and squeeze it as hard as I could. And because of that, my bike went into almost like a jackknife, you know. And the next thing I know, it's on its side and me and Mark James are sliding. And then she took off. She took off. Didn't even, she, I doubt she even knew what she caused. And Mark James and I are laying on our side, sliding down the road. And I see my bike. It was, all, it was like it's all in slow motion. And I'm, I'm sliding on my side. I turn back to make sure Mark James is okay. And he's got this look of fear on his face 
but I, I know he's fine because there's traffic behind us. And I didn't want either one of us to get run over. And then I turned back and my bike's going down the road in front of me on its side. But that trailer with its weight in it kept it from just flipping all over the place. And I got up, got Mark James up. Now, it bruised my hip. And boy, it was, it was hard getting up. Now, I've got this big ultra classic bike on its side. I can't pick it up by myself. Mark James was just a young boy. He, he didn't, wasn't able to help me. Not one soul stopped to check on us. Not one person stopped and tried to help us. They, they saw me trying to get that bike up. I couldn't get it up by myself. Finally, a man at a service station across the road, he come running out there and, and, and asked this brilliant question. You need some help? <laughs> this is the way I look when I need help. Okay. And so he helped me get the bike up. It didn't hurt the bike at all. It's, 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 it scratched the uh, uh, guard, the chrome guard. That's it. No, no, no shattering of fiberglass, nothing. That's all that happened. Okay. And it's sliding on its side, but that's the only thing that, that happened. It scarred that up. Well, it didn't hurt the riding of it. So we got back on it and rode to the hotel. Now, by the time we got to the hotel, I have about three hours before I have to go preach. Oh, I could hardly walk. Dear God, that hurt. Oh. And then we go to the meeting. And I didn't say a word to anybody. Didn't call home and tell anybody. Now, Carolyn picked it up in the spirit. And she called later. No, I don't think we did call. It was after I got back home, I told you. And so, but she picked it up in the spirit and started interceding for me and Mark James. Okay. So I get to the service that night. And they got a platform I'm to preach on. It had about 12 steps up to it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to let in on the, give in to it. Because right. I'm believing I'm, I'm going to be restored. I still got to ride to Arizona. Yeah. Oh, dear Jesus, it hurt going up them steps. And I smiled all the way up. Nobody knew anything had happened to us. Next morning, we got on the bike and we took off. And uh, we stopped somewhere and spent the night. And then we went on and we're just about to get into Denver. And I had to preach that night in Denver. And uh, we're, we're riding along on that interstate. All of a sudden, I can see in the, in the distance a storm. Oh, man, it's a storm. And there was, there was three very expensive sports cars that passed us. They were racing. Come to find out they'd, they'd started in New York and were racing all the way to the West Coast. And I mean, they, they were expensive sports cars. And they flew by us. And, and in a little while, Mark James kind of fell asleep because when he'd fall asleep, I'd, I'd feel his helmet hit me in the back. 
So he's asleep on the back. And we're getting closer to this storm. We're about 25 miles out of Denver. All of a sudden, that storm starts pounding hell on us. I mean, big old golf ball size hell. All of a sudden, Mark James woke up and said, Papa, somebody hit me. (laughs) And I said, that's hell, son. He said, yeah, it is. (laughs) Now, we're out on this interstate, and there's no place to get off of it. And I'm, I'm riding along there, you know, and I'm thinking, where can I get off? I mean, this stuff is coming down. It hurts. And finally, I decided I just, I just got to get off somewhere. I saw a tree line over here and I thought, well, maybe I can get under the trees and it will help, you know, from getting pulverized by this hell. And so I, I pulled off and went through that tree line. And there was an old abandoned town back there, a ghost town. And, and I got back there and nearly all the buildings were, were about, most of them had already fallen in, but there was one building. The only thing left was the, the top, the sides had fallen off. The back end of it had fallen, caved in. And it was just, just enough of that shelter that we could get the bike under. And I got under it. And boy, the hell's still coming down. But it wasn't affecting us anymore. Okay? So we got under a canopy. Now, the hell is still coming down. If we get out in it, we're going to get beat up again. But my mama didn't raise no food. I found a shelter. I'm going to get under and stay and let the storm pass. Okay? So we, we stayed under that thing for nearly an hour. And then it passed. So we got on the bike, come back up on the highway. And now we decided, I decided I'm going to pull over to the first service station and, and take a break, you know, and maybe get us something to drink. When I got up there, those three sports cars were there. I'm talking Ferraris. Aston Martins. We're talking quarter of a million dollar sports cars and up. I think one of them cost nearly a million dollars. You ought to have seen how they were beat up. Uh, they didn't find a canopy. Amen. And they were all nearly in tears looking at their cars. And I got off the bike and stood over there and, and looked at them. And they said, dear God, how did you boys ride in that hill? I said, we, we found a shelter. They said, well, we wish we'd have known there was a shelter. Look at our cars. See, the rest of the world <laughs> may be hurting, but you and I have a canopy, praise God. And you say amen? We have a canopy. A canopy of God's favor, which gives us advantage. Amen. It doesn't stop the storms, but it stops them from being successful. Hallelujah. Give the Lord another good shout of praise. Amen. Remember what it said? So it was always this cloud and this fire. Amen. So it was always. The cloud covered it by day 
and the appearance of fire by night. They had a cloud by day and fire by night, and it was always. God provided that. And he's done the same thing for you and I. In this crazy world that we live in today, praise God, God has provided something for us. A canopy of favor, and it's here always. Give the Lord another shout, praise God. Genesis 39, 4, talking about Joseph. And you all know the story of Joseph. It says, and Joseph found grace, and the word grace and favor are synonymous. Grace, if you look in the Amplified Bible, usually when you see the word grace, it will write out, beside it in parentheses, say, undeserved favor. They're one and the same. Joseph found grace or favor in the sight or in his sight, talking about Potiphar, and served him and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had put into his hand. And then verse two through six, another translation says, Potiphar recognized that God was with him and saw that God was working for good in everything he did. And he became very fond of. Of Joseph. Notice outsiders recognizing. Outsiders recognizing. Unbelievers recognizing that there's something on us that they don't have. That we're under something that they don't have access to until they receive Jesus as the Lord of their lives. Amen? So this is this is basically. What I'm experiencing, this canopy. Now, favor produces preferential treatment. It produces preferential treatment. Amen. Favor, you could also refer to it as exceptional kindness and privilege. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them, I'm a privileged person. person. Tell somebody, I have things happen to me that most people don't have happen in a lifetime. I'm under this canopy of God's favor. Amen. Now, let me go to some new notes. Psalm 57, 1, another, another word that you see used in the Bible that means the same thing as a canopy is shadow. Under the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge. Under God's canopy, I will make my refuge. And listen to this, until these calamities be overpassed. The Passion Translation says, until this terrible trouble is past. That's where you want to be, is under God's canopy until all this blows over. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you still here? Psalm 63, 7 says, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow or the canopy Of thy wings will I rejoice. 
And then the famous Psalm 91 verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow or the canopy of the Almighty. In the New Testament, we find another word that is used uh, for shadow or canopy. And that word is overshadow. It's the word that the angel used when he spoke to Mary. And it says in Luke one thirty-five. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. In other words, he's talking about a canopy. Now, overshadow means to cover or to shelter. And then I love this definition I found. Hallelujah. I just had to get up and run around my desk when I found this. Another definition of overshadow is to cover with a protective influence. I has it. (laughs) I live under the canopy. I live under the shadow of God's favor. And that canopy provides for me a protective influence. Hallelujah. Amen. And how long will it last? Until the terrible trouble is past. Glory to God. So wouldn't you agree with me that it's in your best interest to get under the canopy? Yes, sir. Not only get under it, but stay under it. Why would you want to come out? Stay under the canopy. Amen. Now, go to Psalm 57. I just quoted a portion of it. Break this new Bible in soon. Pages are still sticking. If you read Psalm 57, I'm not going to take the time to read it, but let me give you a little bit of history about it. Psalm 57. This was written at one of the lowest points of David's life. He had just been anointed king, but Saul sees David's popularity among the people, and decides that David must die. David finds out about Saul's intentions and flees. Before long, David is hiding in a cave. That's what this Psalm 57 is about. David is hiding in a cave from this, or Saul's intentions, when this psalm is written. Even though he's hiding in a cave, And Saul is out to kill him. David doesn't complain. He's determined determined to praise God through it all. Verse 5 says, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And he repeats this in verse 11. Here he declares that I will take refuge under the shadow of your wings. Another translation says, Until the storms of destruction pass. I will take refuge. I'm going to get under the canopy until the storms of destruction pass. So what I want to offer you through this psalm is, this is good advice for us today, praise God. Get under the canopy. Amen. Get under the canopy until 
the destructive storms past. God has provided this for us. Amen. I like to say it this way. God's got me covered. Amen. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them, God's got you covered. Now in verse 3 of the Amplified, it says, let me read the King James. He shall sin from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. The Amplified says, God will send forth his mercy, favor, and loving kindness. In the midst of all of this trouble, you can expect God to send forth his favor. Look at somebody and tell them, hold on, God's favor is on its way. Amen. All right, here's some more new notes. <laughs> the favor of God is like a canopy or an umbrella over our lives. I've already mentioned this, but I want to repeat it. Umbrellas do not change the forecast. They don't prevent wind nor rain, and they might not even keep you from getting wet. They can, however, provide a layer of protection. The canopy or the umbrella of God's favor doesn't stop Satan from attacking us, but it does prevent his attacks from being successful. A canopy of God's favor could be viewed as an extra measure of God's grace that supports you, especially when you don't know how you will make it on your own. It provides that peace that passes all understanding when life doesn't make sense. It produces unspeakable joy when you think you've reached the end of your rope. Stay under the canopy. Stay under the umbrella. You do so by being obedient to God and always allowing His Word to be first place and final authority in your life. Expect to see and expect to experience new manifestations, extravagant manifestations of His favor in your life every day. Now listen to this. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. The Amplified Bible says, It is because of the Lord's mercy and loving kindness. And those are all synonymous with the word favor. So let me read it this way. It's because of the Lord's favor that we are not consumed because his tender compassions fail not. They are new every morning. I wrote in my notes, I have every right to get up every morning and expect new manifestations of God's favor. And so do you. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, my final new notes. You got a lot of typing to do. Psalm 512 in the New International Version. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. And the uh, 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 English Standard Version says, you cover them with favor. So the righteous, which that's you. Look at your neighbor and say, that's me he's talking about. The righteous can count on being covered and surrounded with the favor of God at all times. With this knowledge, 
we can rest assured that in spite of hard and difficult times, God has got us covered. The word shield, which is used in the King James, will compass you as with a shield. The word shield here does not refer to a small round shield, but a standing shield, which is more like a massive barrier, which completely covers you. You drive it in the ground and it's up above your head. Amen. Amen. That's the kind of shield Psalm 5 is talking about. Not this little round shield that only protects a little bit of you. No, it is a massive barrier that covers you. It prevents us from experiencing failure and defeat. It does not, however, keep us from being attacked. But it does prevent Satan's attacks from being successful. Psalm 8411 from the Amplified Version. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows present grace and favor, so no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And then Psalm 4111 says this, By this I know thou favorest me, because my enemy doth not triumph over me. How do I know I have the favor of God? How do I know I'm under this canopy of favor? Because Satan never wins. God never fails. Satan never wins. And we're entitled to triumph always. Amen. By this, I know that thou favorest me because my enemy doth not triumph over me. The message translation says, no victory shouts from the enemy camp. Amen. There are no victory shouts going on in the enemy's camp. And the Passion Translation says, I'll know you're pleased with me or you favor me when you allow me to taste victory over all my foes. God's favor on our life acts as a defense for us in troubled times. According to the prophet Isaiah, being triumphant at all times is part of our inheritance. Isaiah 54, 17, the Amplified Bible. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. It's part of your heritage to be triumphant. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm living under the canopy of God's favor. And so are you. Become more aware of it. It will cause you to prosper and to be successful when nobody else is prosperous and successful. It will cause you to prosper and be successful no matter what the circumstances may be. I think I'm about to close. One commentary I read says this. This favor. It reaches beyond the present and is available. Let me say it again. It reaches beyond the present and is available to us into the unknown future. I love it. The favor of God, it reaches beyond the present, and it's available to us in the unknown future. And finally, one last commentary. And it's promised to us in its fullest measure. 
And I have one more commentary. (laughs) It surrounds us on all sides and completely covers us. And we need not fear any adversity. Hallelujah. Praise God. Is anybody in here living under the canopy of God's favor? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I want to ask. Is there anybody in here this morning. Facing one of your most impossible tests that you've ever faced. Whether it be financially. Physically. Whatever the case. Come get under the canopy with me. Squeeze in as close as you can get. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's say this with me. Father, Father, in the name of Jesus, Jesus, even though I may be facing facing one of the most impossible looking situations I've ever faced, I will fear no evil. Because I know that I have a covenant with the Almighty. And I know, according to His Word, He blesses the righteous. And I am one of the righteous. And He provides a canopy of favor. I have an advantage. I will not give up. I will not turn back. Quitting is not an option. Because I have an advantage. I live under a canopy of favor. So in the name of Jesus, I leave this place today knowing that God is working behind the scenes in my behalf. And it's just a matter of time that all these storms will pass. I'll be victorious again. And I give my God praise for it. And do it right now. Praise God. Hallelujah. Give God praise for it. Amen. All right. Go back smiling and tell somebody, God's got me covered. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Is that Vic? God's got you covered, my man. Hallelujah. Several of you have asked um, and have communicated with our office that you still need prayer clothes. If you were there last Sunday night, I made mention of you that One of the things the Lord said to me while I was going through some uh, negative situations where I had uh, had all the skin cancers removed from my face, my head, my forehead. It was one of the most painful things I've ever been through. And then at the same time, the inflammation caused fever blisters and cold sores. And then at the same time, I had the worst case of 
scout that I'd ever experienced. I hurt all over. I couldn't get out of bed. The sheets even hurt me on top of my feet. And I was on vacation during all this time. It was the vacation from hell, H-E-L-L. But in the midst of all that, the Lord said to me, Son, I want you to start praying more for others. This is how you will stay well the older you get. I turned 75 on Christmas Eve. And he said, this is how you will stay well as you get older. Now, I've prayed for people all over the world. But sometimes because of the shortness of a service or because we're trying to make a TV broadcast or sometimes because in some places I'm told by the pastor, Brother Savell, take all the time you need. The service is yours. And then they give it to me about 15 minutes before it's time to dismiss. <laughs> well, there's lots of things as to why, you know, you don't pray for people as much as you did. When I first started, I never closed a service without praying for people. And so the Lord told me to start. And, and Joe and I, we've done this. We, we've carried prayer claws at various times and leave them with people all over the world. And, and the Lord just impressed upon me, start carrying prayer claws in your pocket while you preach. Amen. Amen. There, there's a, Amen. There is a spiritual law, and it's found in the book of Acts. Clothing taken from the Apostle Paul's body, and in whom those pieces of cloth were laid, people were healed and delivered of evil spirits. Amen. Amen. That hasn't passed away. We've had lots of testimony. In fact, we had testimonies from last Sunday night of people being healed and set free. Some, before they even got to prayer cloth, just the word they were listening to. He sent his word and healed them. Amen. Amen. So, now, Natasha, I understand you misplaced your prayer cloth. Well, here's another one. Thank you so Amen. much. Thank Hallelujah. You so much. I, love you. I love you too. So, if you still need a prayer cloth, there's some up here that I've carried around with me. There's others that are on the podium uh, that I didn't carry around with me. But they've been laying right next to my Bible, right next to my notebook, and they heard every word I preached. Amen. I send the word into you in Jesus' name. I send the anointing into you. And they're touching me now. Hallelujah. So you come get them as Justin changes the order of the service. Amen. Amen. Don't forget February the 27th, 6 o'clock. Amen. Amen. Point of contact service. All right. Stay under the canopy.